Good morning. We are at the bottom of 5a um, in the article. It's the last paragraph in 5a5 and the bottom of Hayomid Aleph. Tani kamei der Biochanan kol osik bator vagmilas chasadim vekover es banav mochlin loa kolavon osav. It's taught in front of Rabbiochanan, a brisa that says whoever engages in Torah study and in doing acts of kindness and somebody whose children die in their lifetime is forgiven for all of his sins. Amar le Rabbiochanan, Rabbiochanan says, Bishlama Torah gmilas chasadim. It's understandable that Torah, learning Torah and doing acts of kindness. Um, Cause one to be uh, cause one to be forgiven for his sins. Dixiv, as the verse clearly says, through kindness and truth, sin will be forgiven. And what is kindness and truth a reference to? Kindness is a reference to doing acts of kindness. Shinemar, as the verse says, one who pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness and honor. And uh, so the word chesed is a reference to acts of kindness, and we see that through that, iniquity will be forgiven. And emes, the Torah, and the word truth, it says through kindness and truth, sin will be forgiven. What's truth? Truth is a Torah. Truth is a reference to studying Torah. Shanamar, as the verse says, emes kenev al-timkar, purchase truth and do not sell it. And we know that that verse that refers to truth is a reference to Torah. Elakover es banav minayim, but from where do we know that somebody who buries their children... Um, how do we know that their sins are forgiven? An older man <clears throat> taught in the name of Rishim ben Yochai, Asya Avon Avon. We learned it in Xerah Shavah. So we explained the last podcast, I believe, that there's a concept of Xerah Shavah, that if you find one word in one verse and the same word in another verse, and both times it's awkwardly placed, then you know that it's there to teach you about a similarity between the two verses. So we're going to show that right here. Asya Avon Avon. We're going to learn out Exera Shava that um, based on the word sin found in two different verses. Ksiv Hacha, it's written here. In the verse that we quoted from Proverbs, through kindness and truth, sin will be forgiven. And it's written elsewhere. And who repays the sin and who and who repays the sin of the fathers? Into the bosom of their children, which is a reference to the um, passing of children while their parents are still alive. And we see that those two are linked with the common word. So we see that losing children while one's still alive brings atonement for one's sin, brings complete forgiveness for one's sins. Obviously, this is a lot, much more complicated discussion, but this is just the jumping point, a jumping off point. Um, we're now going to go back to talking about Yisurin Shalava. Uh, afflictions of love. Amr um, Yochanan says, um, Leprosy and not having children are not considered afflictions of love. And is it true that leprosy, now this is a bit more of a, of a ritualistic leprosy, it's described in Leviticus, um, but is it true that this type of leprosy is not an affliction of love? But didn't we learn in Abraisa? Anyone who has any of these four appearances of leprosy, different types of tsaras or leprosy, they are nothing other than a mizbach kapara, which is an altar of atonement. So a, 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 an affliction that's an altar of atonement, you would assume if it's bringing atonement, then it's an affliction of love. 
So we answer, the Gemara answers, Mizbach kapara havu, yisern shal avalo havu. No, there's a difference between an altar of atonement and an affliction of love. It would seem that on the, on the very surface that an altar of atonement is something that <coughs> is a type of an affliction that atones for sin, whereas an affliction of love doesn't atone for sin, isn't brought about because of sin, but rather it's an affliction in this world in order so that you can have more zuchus, in order that you can have more reward in the world to come. Another way to answer this b'risa that seemed to show us that leprosy is an affliction of love. How do we reconcile this? And if you want, I can say as follows. The b'risa, which seemed to show that leprosy was an affliction of love, applies to Jews in Babylonia, whereas Rabbi Yochanan's statement that said that saras, or leprosy, is not an affliction of love, that applies to the Jews of Israel. And the difference is, is as follows. If you get this type of ritualistic leprosy in Israel, you actually have to leave your community until it's gone. You have to go outside of the camp. That's very humiliating, very embarrassing. Something so humiliating would not be an affliction of love, according to this answer. Whereas if you're in Babylonia, there's no rules about having to leave your community. And therefore, it's not as embarrassing, so it could be considered an affliction of love. And then we have a third answer. And this answer is talking about Babylonia in general. If you want, I can say, The b'risa, which seems to say that leprosy can be an affliction of love, that's leprosy that's concealed. No one sees it. So it's just your own, um, it's just your own private suffering. And the Rabbi Yochanan that says um, leprosy is not an affliction of love, that's when it's in a place that's visible to everybody, on your on a place on your body that's visible to everybody. Everybody will see it. It's very humiliating, too humiliating to be an affliction of love. Um, now we're going to go back and discuss the second part of Rabbi Yochanan's point, which is that um, something having to do with children, suffering having to do with children, is not considered an affliction of love. Uvanim lo. So this case of children not being an affliction of love, hechi dami, what exactly is the case? What is this case of children? If you say that refers to one who had children and they died, says, say, this is the bone of my tenth son, which would seem to teach us, and it seems that we have, uh, we, um, we prove this in other Gemaras as well, that Rabbi Yochanan had ten sons and they all died in his lifetime. And it cannot be Rabbi Yochanan would suffer anything other than an affliction of love. So we see, because he was such a righteous person, so we see, therefore, that um, losing children is considered an affliction of love. So what was Rabbi Yochanan referring to when he said that the suffering of children is not an affliction of love? Of love. Rather, it must be that not having children at all is an affliction of love. Whereas if you have children and you lose them, that can be an affliction of love. Um, obviously, this is very complicated. There's a lot of discussion based on this. We find some of the most righteous people not having children. So um, this all needs to be taken much more into context. And also, we can't forget that sometimes when it comes to these types of lessons in the Talmud, um, the surface translation is not the true explanation of the words and commentaries since the very beginning have explained it um, in many different ways. So, but uh, not, now is not the time for that. Um, now we're going to talk about sages who suffered. Rabbi Chibar Abba was sick and Rabbi Yochanan went to visit him. Amar and he asked him, Chabibin Alecha Yisurin, are these afflictions precious to you? Amar Leh, 
Um, Chibaba answered, Lo hein and I don't want them nor their reward. Amrle, Havli Yadech. Uh, so uh, Rabbi Yochanan says, give me your hand. Rabbi Abba gave his hand to Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan healed him. Rabbi Yochanan was one time sick. Rabbi Chanina went to visit him and asked him, are these afflictions precious to you? Rabbi Yochanan said, I don't want them nor their reward. Rabbi Chanina said, give me your hand. Rabbi Yochanan gave him his hand and Rabbi Chanina revived him. Am I? Now, why did Rabbi Yochanan need Rabbi Chanina's help? Rabbi Yochanan was the one that cured Rabbi Chia. Why couldn't he have cured himself? Let Yochanan heal himself. Omri, so they answered, A captive cannot release himself from prison. He'll need help from someone else. Um, another case, Rabbi Elazar Chalash. Rabbi Elazar was sick. So Rabbi Elazar was sick, just by the way, we are on um, 5B, about halfway down. The last word on the line is Rebbe. So we're at Rebbe Eliezer, and in the art scroll, we are on the bottom of the first column of 5B2. So Rebbe Eliezer Chalash, Rebbe Eliezer was sick. Allah Gabay Rebbe Yochan, Rebbe Yochan went to visit him. Chaza dahava kagani beveis afel. He saw that Rebbe Eliezer was lying in a dark room. Galila darev and afel nahar. Rebbe Yochan exposed his arm and light came into the room. I guess his arm was radiant. Rabbi Elazar, and he saw that Rabbi Elazar was crying. And Amrleya, my kabachas, Rabbi Yochanan asked him, "Why are you crying?" If it's because you did not learn as much Torah as you would have liked, Shaninu, we learned in a Mishnah though. Those that give a lot when it comes to sacrifices, and those that give a little when it comes to sacrifices, they're both equally pleasant to God. As long as you direct your heart to heaven, meaning. It doesn't really make a difference quantitatively how much you accomplish in anything. It's all about quality and what your intentions were, both in sacrifices and in your Torah knowledge. So don't be upset if you didn't learn as much as you thought as you would have liked to. Vimishumazoni, if you're crying because you have a lack of food, meaning you're not uh, you're 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 poor, Locholadam Take comfort in the fact that not everyone merits two different tables, a table of financial of financial wealth as well as spiritual slash scholarly wealth. And if you are crying because of a child of yours that may have died, that died, Dan Garma da Sirabir, he pulled out his uh, his tenth child's bone and said, This is the bone from my tenth child, implying that I had, I lost ten children. I'm not crying for any reason you just said. I'm crying because of your beauty. This beautiful man, Rabbi Yochanan was considered the most beautiful man. And he said, I'm crying because one day you are going to be buried in the earth. You're going to rot in the earth. And that's why I'm crying. For this you certainly should cry. And they both cried. Obviously there's a more more explanation is necessary here. In the meantime, Rabbi Yochanan asked him, so Rabbi Yochanan said, Rabbi Lazar, are the suffering that you're going through, do you, is it precious to you? Amar Leh, Rabbi Lazar said, Lo heim I don't want it nor its reward. Amar Leh, Rabbi Yochanan said, Havli Yadach, give me your hand. Yahav Leh Yadeva Okmer, Rabbi Lazar gave him his hand and Rabbi Yochanan healed him. Rav Huna, Tekifu Arba Ma'ad Danei Dechamra. Rav Huna had 400 barrels of wine that turned into vinegar. Allah Gabay Yehuda Achur, the Rav Salah Hasid of Rabbanan. 
Rabbi Huda, the brother of Rav Salah Hasid, as well as other sages, went to visit him, probably to comfort him, because this was a really bad thing. But Amrili Rav Adabar Ava Varabana, and some say it was Rav Adabar Ava and other sages who went to comfort him. The Amrule, and they said to him, Le'ayin mar b'milei, they said, Rav Huna, you need to examine your actions, because perhaps there's a sin in there, perhaps there's something that you're doing wrong, and that is what caused such a horrible loss. Amrulu, he said to them, Am I suspect in your eyes? Do you think I did something wrong? Amrulay, they said to him, They said the, the, the other only other option is the, that God be suspect of punishing you without justice. And obviously you're not going to think that God is suspect, so it must be coming from your actions. So um, just by the way, this is a very similar discussion that Job has um, upon sitting Shiva for his children, and it's not so simple. In that in that discussion, Job ends up taking God to task for doing something that was uh, what he believes is not justified. So this is, again, this is a very important discussion, all getting in back to the concept of why do bad things happen to good people. All right, back into the Gemara. Um, if there's anyone that heard something about me that I have to fix, let him speak. So they said to him, this is what we heard. You did not give branches to your sharecropper. A sharecropper in the times of the Talmud was basically somebody that would farm all of your land and in turn would take a portion of the produce for himself as his payment. And apparently Rav Huna, it was heard about Rav Huna that he did not give branches to his sharecropper. And branches is one of the things, is one of the parts of a vineyard specifically that need to go to a sharecropper, or at least part of the branches. Amrulahu, so... It seemed as if Rafuna did not fulfill what he needed to do. Amrullah, so he said to them, Mi kashavikli midi mine. Did he leave me anything? Meaning he stole so much from me, so I don't need to give him branches. So Haka, so they answered, um, Haka I'm sorry, so he, he says, Haka Ganavlekule, he says, he stole everything from me. And I'm not going to give him branches because he took far more than his rightful share. So Amrulay, they said to him, This is an example of what people say. Basar ganava Steal from a thief. Steal from a thief. And you'll taste, and you'll feel the taste of stealing. Meaning there's, it's not an excuse to steal from the, a thief by saying that he stole from you. You still have to do what is right. Amrulahu, he said to them, Kabil no the I accepted upon myself to give him a share of the branches. Some say that the vinegar went back to being wine. And some say that the price of vinegar in that community rose, and the vinegar sold at the price of wine, so he was able to recoup his losses. We we are at the colon in the at the last line before the very lied lines. Tanya, we learned. Abba, uh, we learned in Abba Binyamin says, There were two things that I took pain in um, all of my days. Meaning I put in, I would do anything to make sure the following two things happened. Number one is I took pains to make sure that my prayer would be before my bed. And also, I took pain that my bed would go from south to north, because as... <laughs> Because um, the greatest presence of the divine is in the east and the west. We pray to the east here, um, the western wall. We, we, we but um, we pray to the but the greatest presence of the divine is in the east and the west, and therefore he put his marital bed 
going from the north to south so that um in out of modesty to the east and west where the greatest uh part where the greatest manifestation of the divine presence is found um obviously again that's a very complicated concept but um not for now so let's talk about this i took pains to make sure that my prayer would be before my bed my leaf name what does it mean that prayer before my bed if you say that it means that he prayed uh, with a bed separating between him and the wall, the Hamar Rabbi Huda but didn't Rabbi Huda say him Rabbi Sam Rabbi Shuban Levi, and some say it was Rabbi Shuban Levi that said this. Menayin lemispalo shaloyehe davar chotzeitz beino levenakir. From where do we know that when one is praying, there should be nothing that separates between him and the wall? Shenemar, because the verse says vayasev chizkiyo panav el hakir vayispalel. It says about chizkiyo that he turned his face to the wall and prayed, made sure that there was nothing between him and the wall. So it cannot be that he took pains to make sure that to pray with a bed between him and the wall because the most ideal way to pray is, is with nothing between you and the wall. So rather it must be that he didn't mean to say before my bed, rather close to my bed. Meaning when he would get up in the morning, he would try to do, he would do as little as possible before actually praying the morning service, the morning Shema, the morning Amidah. Okay, and what's the second idea? The second idea was about the placement of his bed. And I made sure that my bed would be placed from north to south. Because Rav Chama said, Whoever places his bed from north to south will have male children. As the verse says, And with your concealed treasure, you will find their belly. They will be sated with sons. And if you take a look at that word, um, the uh, concealed treasure, tzafun, is the same exact word as the north. And we see sated with sons as the end, as if to teach us that positioning your bed northern in the, in, uh, in the north direction will will end, the reward will be that you will be sated with sons. Furthermore, if you place your bed correctly, um, one's wife will not miscarry. It's written here. It says, and with your concealed treasure, you will fill their belly. And it says, and it says there, um, this is in um, Genesis. When her term to bear grew full, then behold, there were twins in her womb. So we see that in the case, in this discussion of, of the sleeping in the north, from based on this verse in Psalms, um, and with your concealed treasure you will fill their belly, that verse. So we see that putting to the north, tamale vitnam, you will fill their belly, and we see that same word of filling their belly, or when her term to bear grew full, and then she had twins. In other words, they lived, they did not, she did not miscarry. Tanya, another brisa, which is another discussion about um, prayer. Abba bin Yamin Omar, Abba bin Yamin says, two people entered a shul to pray. They called him Echa Mehen Lispala, and one of them finished praying first. Did not wait for his friend to finish, and he goes out and goes home by himself before wait and, and did not wait for his friend to finish praying. Torfin Lot's philosophy of fun of his prayers tossed aside in front of him, Shinemar, and it's based on the following verse Torev Nafshoba Apo Halaman Chate Azev Aretz. One who tosses his pair himself apart in his anger, which can be read as someone who tosses his prayer away, which would be a reference to someone that does not wait for his friend to leave the shul. The world will, you think that the world will be abandoned for your sake. And furthermore, 
not only is your prayer not accepted, but you also cause the divine presence to be removed from the Jewish people. Shinemar, as the verse says, The rock will be dislodged from his place. And what is the rock a reference to? The word rock is a reference to God. God will be separated from God's place, which is the Jewish people. And this is the proof that the word rock refers to God, as it says. You ignored the rock who gave birth to you, which is a reference to God. We will stop here for today. So we spoke a lot about uh, suffering and affliction, which again, of course, is a much bigger discussion. We spoke about leprosy, the ritual leprosy, and um, its ramifications. We talked about all these different sages that wanted to be healed. We talked about Rabbi Yochanan suffering. Um, <clears throat> and Rabbi Yochanan was a massive sage, so that's a very clear idea of afflictions of love, a, a sage and a righteous person. Um, we talked about looking into your actions if something bad is going on, because perhaps a sin or perhaps a, a, an inappropriate action is the source of the sin, is the source of the punishment. Um, and we talked about Abba bin Yamin putting in effort to do very specific things throughout his life. And we finished off speaking about that common courtesy of if you are praying with somebody to not leave the synagogue and leave that person praying all alone. Have a wonderful day, and I uh, look forward to seeing you all tomorrow night at my home, 2392 Windale Crescent. So that's at my home, 8 p.m. We will um, do a very brief review and then try to talk about some of the questions and concepts, elaborate on them, that are very significant to the first four da, for the first four double pages of Tractate Brachos. Thank you so much and have a great week.